Amen, amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. See, the party people are still outside. If you're in this place, go ahead and stand. You're ready to worship with us. Come on. Give your eyes praise today. Come on. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. word of prayer right now. Father, we love you in this place. We ask you, God, that we would be able to glorify your name today. I pray that every heart would be touched. Every heart in this place would be open to your word. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, God, place right now in Jesus' name.
gonna get back. I'm alive. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. And amazing love. Come on, sing it out. You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me.
take up in your prayer closet, but since you haven't been there this week, God hasn't dealt with you, and right now this place has become an altar, and God is saying he's going he's gonna to sacrifice you, you got to put those things on the altar, let them burn, let them burn on the altar, you see in the secret places where we meet with God in our room when no one's around, no loud music, it's just us in the presence of God, and God speaks to his people. We believe that God speaks to his church. He is alive, and we follow his lead, and the spirit, his power, his boldness is for today. I just ask right now, I just invite you, whatever it was, those things that God is dealing with you, you just put that on the altar right now. You, you make this your secret place right now.
track I say fill us up Lord bring us back to you bring us back to you when we're distracted Lord bring us back to you call us by name call us by name you say you call us by name my people I call by name and they know my voice oh listen today he calls you by name he calls you by name. He's calling you back in his presence, in his presence. The Father calls you back. He's calling you today for more, for more of him, 
more of his spirit the father in heaven he calls you today every tribe every person he calls you today Father, He looks over you, He watches over you, He's your Father, He cares for you, He's your Father, He provides for you, He's your Father, He watches you, He's your Father, He's just strong and He's your Father. you father for who you are if it's nothing more you're our father and you never leave our side you never leave our side I'm running I'm running back to you
Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the power that He brings when He comes into Christian's life. In preparation for what the Holy Spirit is already doing is what He's going to do in this servant. Would you just tell God right now that nothing will hold you back? That what He planned, what He purposed today that you will receive, you will receive and not be ashamed. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of preaching Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of being bold. We're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Church on fire. Let's just declare that right now. Lord, I receive today. I receive today. Fall down. 
fire fall down. I'm just going to ask right now in the attitude of prayer that we would lift up the nations, the places that we support, Africa, specifically Nigeria, Pakistan, India, Nepal, because during this holiday season there is freedom to express the gospel like never before in many of these restricted nations. And as we're praying here for fire to fall down, I want us to pray that the gospel will be free and that they will see the fire fall down in their services. That as they have freedom of expression this holiday season, this next week as they go and feed the poor, the homeless, in the name of Christ, have public meetings and marches, that God will be with our churches. So would you just right now, just pick a nation and just lift it up to the Father. As I begin to pray right now, Lord... Lord, come to these nations, God. Lord, come to India during this holiday season. Pastor Amit, God, in the churches out there. Pastor Anil, Lord. Let Jesus' name be great right now in these nations in China where it's illegal, God. Let your fire fall down, Lord. Let your fire come, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Lord, set on fire the nations. Oh, God, let them hear the name of Jesus, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Hallelujah. Oh, He gave His Son for the world, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And now would you do something that we love to do or would you just take the hand of somebody next to you? And now we're going to pray for our community because next week is Christmas and we are going to have a Christmas service outreach here next week and I want us to pray that we're going to come with friends and family. Amen? So I want you to think of three people that you're going to invite to come to the Christmas service 10 a.m. next week to get the gift of salvation. Amen? Let's pray right now. Come on, God, we lift up our friends and family, our relatives. Oh, Lord, they're coming to our house, so we'll be at their house. God, we pray that they'll come to church with us. That, Lord, they won't hesitate, that they'll come here, that they'll hear the message here, Lord, that you'll save them, lost family members, our neighbors, come on, co-workers, to hear the message of Jesus, to hear the great message of our Savior. In Jesus' name, if you believe He's going to save souls, can you say amen? Can we bless Him today? Praise God. Come on, welcome to Metro Praise. Stay standing. We're going to play this awesome video. Just hang out right now, just for the next few moments. Tell somebody you love them. Get out of your seats. It's a real cool thing that you want to do right now. Uh, Welcome to Metro Praise this morning.
Wonderful. If you'd like to grab a seat, we're going to get started with today's service. Just want to welcome everybody here to Metro Praise. We're just loving God and loving people this morning. We just thank you for coming to our 11 a.m. service. God is filling it up during this holiday season. Uh, there's still room for more, so keep inviting your friends. We always have a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. And then Wednesday we have Encounter Night, which is a time to pray, get alone with God, and to also have programs for our children, Royal Rangers and Impact. And then if you're a visitor, you can go on into the back. we got some good things by the uh, table back there for you to hear about our church. And then do I got any elevators here? Elevate. Amen. Come on, making noise every Friday at 7.30. Adam, tell them what we're doing this weekend, uh, today, and uh, next week. Today we are having our life group party. Usually we have it at the end of the month, but today we're having it since, you know, there's New Year's and Christmas. Today at 3 o'clock in the church, all life groups are meeting together. There's a food, there's games, uh, there's the word. So bring your friends. Come on out at 3 o'clock today. And also the 30th at the end of the month, we're having a sermon um, illustrated sermon it's going to be a lot of fun so invite your friends for that today and the 30th of this summer. amen and let me just tell you so i met a young teenager she's 17 years old from new zealand is she coming at three she's coming at three so five. we got a girl coming from new zealand at three what's your excuse come on out amen Come on, teenagers. God bless you guys. Hey, at the last Wednesday of the month, a lot of you, uh, I know, like to have Christmas dinners with your church. We've done it before. We just couldn't do it with two services. So we have it now after Christmas, December 28th, which is the last Wednesday of the month. It's our family night. We do it every Wednesday. Going to have a dinner. want you guys to come out. It's going to be really awesome. December 28th, after the holidays, you can bring your leftovers, okay, as long as it's good leftovers. Amen. If you got some mama's homemade lasagna like my mama, trust me, you would want some of that leftover lasagna. And how many know, like, some things taste better the next day? Do you know what I'm talking about? Lasagna tastes better the next day. Is there any, like, ethnic dish from your family that tastes better the next day? Pierogies, yes. You know, they do. They have a better texture to them right there. What, what does? Cold cannon? Wonderful. Let's give it up for an Irish Gaelic dish that tastes good the better the second day. Awesome. And then we got a winter retreat. Anybody want to come to this? Make some noise. Woo woo. Amen. What we are shouting about, if you don't know, is an awesome time that we take every winter to go out and get closer to God. This is going to be the Friday, the 20th of January, and the Saturday. So after the holiday season, after you've already joined the gym, you're losing the weight, it's time to have a Holy Ghost party. Now listen, if you're a young person and you love to be at school on Friday, you may not want to come because you got to get off school. Okay, okay, so I think there's some teenagers that maybe want to get out of school. How about, you know, some, some guys that, you know, that work? If you, if you like to work on Fridays, men and, and women, and you don't want to miss a Friday workday, this may not be for you. But for those who would like to take a Friday off, can I hear an amen? Okay, so this is what you do. Young people, you ask your parents for permission. Adults, go to your bosses. Ask them for the Friday off. We meet here in the morning. We'll travel out to Lake Geneva. There's an awesome church out there. They have everything you could possibly want just to have a good time. The gymnasium, the cafe, the space, just as cool. We're then going to have services there all day long into the evening, dinner together. Then go to a hotel at night. Does anybody like after parties? Amen, hot tub, jacuzzi, praise God, all Christian, all done in holiness. Somebody say holiness. 
Okay, it's wonderful. And then we wake up Saturday, do it all over again, come back. Sunday morning I'll be preaching, and then Sunday night we'll have a healing and miracle service. And our guest speaker for the whole retreat is Glenn Boom Boom Badonsky. Does anybody love the Boom Boom? Amen. And you're going to learn a little bit about the boom boom today and how you can get bonkified and get shika boom bud and all of that. We're going to be talking about that today. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to learn about that. It's so exciting. Now it's 50 shekels, but if you don't have the dinero, it's F-R-E-E. Come on, let's say it like we're an infomercial. If you don't have the money, it's F-R-E-E. Okay, so I don't want anybody staying home saying, man, I don't have money, Pastor, to come out. Because that money, all it does cover the food and hotels. Okay, nobody's getting rich. Nobody's getting their hair and nails done off of this right here. We, we zero the balance out, and we want you to come, even if you don't have the shekels. Just consider it a Christmas gift from Metro Praise to you. Amen? <laughs> Excuse me. You know, our vision here at this church has always been to love God and love people. Our heart is to continue to do that. So we ask you to join with us in our vision to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We believe if we do this, we will fulfill all the other commands that Jesus has given us. Does anybody believe that? You know, Jesus summarized the Old Testament, 613 commands in those two commandments, to love God. And to love people. And I want to ask you to do that with us. We have a strategy. Can everybody say strategy? Thank you. We have a strategy that we would like to invite you to be a part of. And the first part of it, it is connect. We would like to see you connect to one of our life groups. And we have life groups that meet seven times during the week for the adults and three for youth. Is there anybody excited about life groups today? Amen. Life groups are a time and a place where you get in somebody's home, go through the Bible study together, have a snack or a meal, and fellowship and get to know each other. To me, Metro Praise would be nothing without the life groups and the relationships that we have there. And I want to invite you to connect. Everybody say connect. Thank you to connect to the Lord by connecting to the good church that he's given you and these leaders. And while you're there, I believe you'll want to start this book. Because this is something that they do outside of the life group, but your life group leader will do it with you. It's a one-on-one book of spiritual growth, seven steps to rock the world and change the world for Jesus. Does anybody want to rock the world for Jesus? You know, there's a lot of rock stars out there, but there's nobody rocking it like Jesus Christ, the rock. Amen? And if you rock with the rock, you become a rock star, a light of the world. Amen? And what we do after that is when you graduate that that first part, we say, come then to the 201. A lot of churches have stopped doing Sunday schools. They've become unpopular. But we have a Sunday school that meets here every Sunday from 7.30 to 8.30. And you know you're radical if you do that. And the reason is, is because it is there to train up our leaders. So when you go through the 101, you get trained up to come to the 201. And we will send you out to be a roof breaker, history maker, and a boom shakalaka breaker. Amen? Just just get out there and change the world. Everybody just go, Hyunkin. You know, we want to send you out to change the world. And there's so many testimonies of this coming in literally from week to week to week. I hear testimonies of God using members here at Metro Praise to change the world. One of the testimonies we just heard this morning from Rosa in the first, oh, here she came to the second service, praise God, is that she was um, encountered by some Jehovah Witnesses this morning. Now, you know, Jehovah Witnesses will witness on their way to the kingdom hall. They will get up early and walk to tell everybody about the kingdom hall. And if you don't know, there are a cult. If you follow their teachings, you will not go to heaven. You will go to hell. And yet she ran into them. 
She saw them, and you know what? She started to preach to them about Jesus. And they began to get a little bit put off, and they said, What, are you some kind of preacher? And she said, Yes, I am. I'm a preacher. Now, my friends, if this dear lady can be used by God to know and study the Word of God to preach to Jehovah's Witnesses, what are you waiting for? Rose has been a Christian for many years, but she said, I want to join the vision of Metro Praise. She humbled herself. She went through the 101. She's a part of a life group, and then she joined the 201, and now God is using her to change the world. I hear testimonies like this all the time. There's another young lady that is starting a high school club right now in her high school, as sure as high school, a Bible club to reach that school for Jesus Christ. You see, this church is here with a vision to love God and to love people, to connect everybody to the cross to mentor you up, to send you out to change the world. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. I believe if we do it right, we can see 100,000 disciples here with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe it, can you say let's do it? Amen. And I want to give you an update about the Wicker Park campus. As Andrew, uh, please, will put up the blog. Last week we were praying about the zoning because we are starting the campus out there on Division and Milwaukee. And I just want you to know that I believe our prayers are being answered. I have found a Christian lawyer group. And by the way, you can't be Christian and a lawyer. It can't happen. And so I found some Christian lawyer group that specifically work with zoning in the city. They're going to help us. And Monday, tomorrow, I'm meeting with the aldermen to to get the final work done for the things that we need. So here is the building. It has about 2,500 square feet, if you could scroll down a little bit those of you who haven't seen it it looks basically like this sanctuary right here from the wall to the stair to the two sides of the window and then there's a door that would lead into the children's area this is more than enough space of what we need the people of that community and that congregation have what it takes for us to start i don't believe we'll even need to raise any more money here we've already raised the money during the summer eight thousand dollars launched in september We have a core group of about 20 people that are committed. Some of them are up here. Chris is the campus pastor. I'm going to have you pray if you could prepare for that. But what we want to pray for is that tomorrow's meeting with the aldermen will give us the green flag and that we'll continue to move forward. Then we'll go from just having services on Tuesdays, which are cool because we've been renting the Chopin Theater, but I believe then being able to have a Sunday and a Tuesday and a Friday youth group is going to increase us in that neighborhood. So we're going to have a 5 o'clock Sunday evening service because I know a lot of the Wicker people like to sleep in. So we're going to prepare that for them. Then we're going to have the Tuesday Bible study. Chris will be leading that up. And then the Friday youth group with Ellie and Leelani. And I'm just believing that God is going to do a great thing there, not to mention uh, different things. There's a lot of homeless people in that area to give them soup. We want to do that, coffee. And we also want to have an after-school program with a little cafe because those chairs, uh, as you can see, the windows there, we can then take our chairs and set it up during the week as a cafe. So all I need you to do right now, somebody say, all I need to do is pray. So when we pray now, pray with us, and then all tonight and tomorrow, don't do anything but pray. Just you know, shave your head like a monk, wear sackcloth, and then go to a monastery. Just pray 24 hours. Just pray and ask God for favor. Because when the zoning gets denied, everybody gets upset, and there come lawsuits. We have to sue the city. You know, you have to take the city to court and, you know, figure out what's going on. But I believe we can, we can backtrack all the way up to right now and just be like, God, just let them favor us there. 
you know, we have a growing church there, and it's going to touch and change that community. And there's only really on, only one other church like us, and they just rent a facility themselves one day a week. So there's no permanent presence of a spirit-filled, on-fire church in that area. And there is, in that area, about 40,000 people. We need Jesus. Amen. Chris is the campus pastor. Would you pray for us, please? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your word says to acknowledge you in all our ways, and you will direct our paths. Lord God, we acknowledge you in our plans. Lord God, we acknowledge you in this facility, Lord Jesus, getting this facility, getting things done that we need to get done. Lord God, we ask you for favor. We ask you for prosperity, financial prosperity to stay there, Lord God. We ask you for for wisdom. Give us wisdom and give these lawyers wisdom to handle what the city needs us to do, Lord God. But in everything, Lord God, be glorified in what we do. Be glorified in Wicker Park. Save souls, Lord God. Work miraculous signs and wonders, Lord Jesus. And we will make your name known in that neighborhood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we bless the Lord for that? Taking land. Amen. We're not stopping. Amen. We already have about 60% capacity of second service. First service is a little bit more than that, about 70%. We're growing here, and it's going to keep growing over there, and our goal was for 50. And when I was talking to the lawyer, he took me very serious. A lot of people don't take me serious. He said, man, if that's really your goal, I want to help you guys do that. And I think our strategy, instead of owning buildings, getting into mortgages, blah, 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 I think we should do what Walgreens does, what Starbucks does, what all these companies do, is they rent them, they pimp them out, make them their own and they change that community and so we want to become the walgreens the starbucks pimping for jesus church that loves people can you say amen amen you can put pimping and jesus in the same conversation as long as you say love people because it makes it okay um I want to show you guys where we are with getting this camera. We are going to just pay it off right now because I'm not going to talk about tomorrow at Christmas, uh, next week at Christmas service. Basically, we got this during Easter time. It was a little over $3,000. We got it on a credit card, Wolf. Cameras, no interest for whatever it is, six months, nine months. And now that interest is going to be due. So if we don't pay it off, we're going to have to pay like $500 just of interest. We started with $2,000. Now it's down to $400. How many can go cha-ching? How many believe we're just going to pay that off today right now? Can you say amen? Come on, I haven't even checked the first service's offering. They've probably already done more than that. But you know the cool thing is, is when we give God more, he gives us more. That's what the Bible says. Sow and you shall receive a harvest. And I want you to believe God with me. Whatever comes in extra, we'll put it towards the computer in the back. That is not on a no interest thing with Best Buy. It's, it's just being paid off as we go. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? And how you give to that is you simply give to Building Fund. You can also give online at metropraise.org or at our boxes uh, before and after service. You spell a metro, M-E-T-R-O, praise, P-R-A-I-S-E. If you're writing a check, million is M-I-L-L-I-O-N. If you're wondering how to, how to spell that, amen. Wanted to share an update about the nations as we were praying for. They are sharing the gospel like wildfire right now. This is where they get the most amount of freedom. This is when they have the, the best opportunity to get out there. So I'm just going to ask that during this time you would pray for our churches. Here is an example of a monthly report month of December, from Pastor Amit in southern India. And let me just share this with you. Next month starts January New Year. Every week I'm going to introduce you to our new apostles, uh, to our apostles. If you're new, you've never met them. So this is where we are. We're in four different nations, and, but in five locations. So what that means is one place, India, we're in two places. So we are in India, northern India, Delhi. Then we are in southern India. This is Pastor Amit. It's in a state called Andhra Pradesh, city, Vijayawada. So we're in India. 
We also are in Nepal, in the capital city, Kathmandu. We are in Nigeria, and it's right outside of Lagos. And then we are in uh, Pakistan, in the main city, Lahore. All together, we support 200 churches. They all have the name Metro Praise. This church in Telugu, their language is Sutnipatnam. Everybody say Sutnipatnam. Thank you, and that means uh, city of praise. This is Pastor Amit's monthly report. If you could make it a little bit bigger for us, please. We have 65 churches in this area. Amit is pastoring eight. He has an attendance of 200. I have this on Facebook so you can see the prayer requests. Barnabas, and by the way, they when they are born, they're given pagan Hindu god names. And when they are born again and baptized, it's a tradition for them to change their name to a biblical name. So you'll see Barnabas up there. Abraham Lincoln is up there. Timothy is there. Samuel is there. Uh, you'll see a whole bunch of other names. So if you ever want to meet Abraham Lincoln, come to uh, uh, India with us. You'll see how many churches they're pastoring. Scroll a little bit to the right so you can see it on Facebook. You'll see prayer requests. I'm going to start putting these up for you every month. As you see here, pray for my health. The main prayer request is pray for health and pray for their family and pray for prosperity. Do you know how many disciples we have in southern India? 1,713. Did you just see that number down there? Come on, that should give you something to clap your hands about. Amen. Very simple. Our church has asked people to give to these type of works around the world. What does it look like? Well, the Bible says a tither gives 10% of their total income. That's what we do. I was taught to do that. You look at our offering envelope, you see building and missions. When you circle building, you give to things that are part of the building. When you give to missions, you give to people like that. Make sure you're part of what we're doing at the beginning of the year because you'll get to meet them. We'll do it by Skype. You'll see Pastor Amit smiling, thanking you for all that you do. We gave them all, all of those five locations in four nations, double what we normally give for this holiday season. They're feeding, they're reaching widows, orphans, they're buying things, and it's our honor to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for Metro Praise and what you're doing around the world. God, we just ask you to continue to bless them and be with our brothers and sisters, even as some suffer persecution. And, Lord, the the little that we send in comparison to the greatness of the need, we pray you multiply it like you did the five loaves and the two fishes, Lord. We place it in your hands. And now, Lord, we pray for us here in America. Congress has just passed some debt reduction bills. Lord, we ask you to give wisdom to our government and to the leaders. We pray, Lord, that there will be favor upon this nation to draw business here. And that, Lord, our business owners will not operate out of greed, but out of justice and fairness. And that, Lord, you'll give them inventive ideas. Raise up more Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. God, people that create jobs in this country. And, Lord, for us here today, bless our work and the places that we're employed. And for those that are looking for jobs, uh, God, open doors for them. And those that are in school, bless them in their education. And, God, I pray what you taught us to pray, that as we give, it would be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, Lord. Bless your people today and bless this nation. In Jesus' name, and can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's say what Paul said as a confession on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come forward rejoicing today as you give? Thank you.
Amen. Can we give the band a hand clap for serving us today? Amen. Thank you guys. You guys are our rock stars. See, there's some rock stars in the church. Hey, we've been talking about God's great gifts for the sermon series. want to pull it all together for you today and then see how we can rock it out for Christmas. We talked about the gifts of leadership the first week and how God gives the five-fold ministry. And I like to make sure to tell this to the young men that if you get, young men, I need you to look at me, especially in the back, those of you who are talking, because that's specifically who I want you to know this. If you get out of line, I'm going to give you this five-fold ministry right here, okay? Boom, okay? So we talked about the five-fold ministry of the apostle. He gives the thumbs up, thumbs down. The prophet is the one that points out the things of God. The evangelist is the one reaching out and touching. The pastor is married to the church. And then the pinky is digging out those hard-to-reach areas so that we can all grow. Amen? And then last week we talked about gifts in the church, Romans chapter 12, talking about prophecy and serving and everybody having a part contributing. And now you see that you can do this even as a just a disciple member showing up on Sunday, that you're to have a, a role to play. And then this week we're going to talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be exciting. Second, uh, first service ran into second service. Some of you stayed back just for the altar call. I appreciate that. And we're going to really see God move. But it is going to conclude December 20th. 25th because it is going to be God's greatest gift. So think of the whole series. God's great gifts. Well, God gives leadership to the church. That's an awesome gift. God then gives gifts to us here, to all of us to do our part. And then God gives us the Holy Spiritual gift, the, the spirit, uh, spiritual gifts. But what is the greatest gift that he gives us? Jesus. And that's why next week I want you to come. One service, Christmas Day is next week. We're not going to have a 9 and 11. We're going to have one 10 o'clock service. And I would like for this place to be packed out with our friends and family. And I promise you this, we're going to honor Jesus. We're going to sing about the Lord. It's not going to be a long service, about an hour, hour. But I can promise you this, we're going to make a presentation about the gift of Jesus Christ so simply that even a child will understand and it can impact their eternal destiny. If they come and hear about the message of Jesus, that may determine heaven or hell for them right there. So will you bring somebody to hear about the greatest gift God has ever given? Amen. Okay, let's get into spiritual gifts today. Would you open up first to your Bibles, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And as you're turning there to this passage, I want to give us a couple things to preference with, uh, to start off with, because the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be a touchy subject. And I know for some of you, this is not your first rodeo. You've been a part of other churches. And so I would like to let you know how we feel about some of these things uh, and then get into the lesson. So just hold your place in that, in that passage, 1 Corinthians 12. And let me just give you five things I want you to hear from my heart about gifts of the Spirit. Number one, obscure is what comes to mind. Because a lot of people think the gifts of the Spirit are obscure. Everybody say obscure. Thank you. Let me explain what I mean by this. There is a group of Christians that believe the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. They're called cessationalists, and that means they think that after the Bible was written around 70 A.D., the apostle, uh, excuse me, 90 A.D., the apostle John went to heaven, last living apostle, uh, the spiritual gifts went away. So the dove comes down, then he goes back up. And what a sad day that would be. Could you just imagine that? You're about ready to pray for the sick. You're feeling the anointing, and then 
It just gets sucked up to heaven. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Now, we're not those people, so we believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. But here in America, where we've kind of become the fine wine taster of churches, where you can just find any church on the corner and you like it a little bit, 1985 Chardonnay, we kind of get this idea, well, I like my church spirit light, not too much tongues, please, you know, and a little bit of lemon on the side. When we've become, like, so picky in all of this, you'll meet people that say, well, that tongues thing, that's just obscure. That's just the weirdies. And so you come to a church like us, and we're just the weirdies because we speak in tongues and you go to St. Cleopatra's Church or St. Cleto or wherever you go and you don't hear them speak in tongues and that seems normal because they're bigger and better or you go to Moody or whatever and God bless Moody and churches like that. But let me just explain the error in this. Number one, Spiritual gifts are not obscure on the world scene. As a matter of fact, we as spirit-filled Pentecostal believers outnumber all the other denominations combined put together. So you can take your Baptist friends, your Methodist friends, your Episcopal friends, your Anglican friends, your Lutheran friends, combine them all together. They fall short of this number, 600 million spirit-filled believers around the world. Now, while I'm talking about this, let's just give him a little tantalizing tease about Reinhard Bonnke, rocking nations, million-person altar calls, etc. here in Africa. You can look here and look at me and listen because it's going to get good, okay? Now, numbers don't prove anything. Numbers can be, you know, a false, uh, you know, a false thing to, to prove something. You could say, well, everybody goes to McDonald's and buys a billion hamburgers there. It doesn't mean they have the best hamburger. And that's not my point. What I'm trying to say is this is not obscure. This is not a weirdy thing. This is what's rocking the nations. And this is where uh, the church finds its greatest growth. If it wasn't for the spirit-filled church, Christianity would be losing to Islam right now. It would be losing to the cults. Uh, if you take Mormonism and Jehovah Witness together, in the world they number about 30 million, about 10, 12 million apiece. You put them together, that's only about 30 million. There's more spirit-filled believers in Brazil, that's 70 million, than there are Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses around the whole world. Are you listening? It's the spirit-filled church that is winning the continent, not just a nation. This is a lot of Nigeria here. It is the spirit-filled church that is winning the continent of Africa. I can show you all of this. I have it in my Bible, uh, our Bible college books and all of these surveys. Right now you see in Africa, the Islamic move is trying to take tribal believers in Africa and make them Muslim. And they're growing about 20% among the tribes of Africa. So Islam is seeing growth there in Africa. But we are surging at about 60%. And we're taking back their people right now. And they're freaking out because we're winning their people at the tune of 3 million a year in Africa alone. One of the popular Arab, uh, Arab TV shows ever, uh, stations is Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera has people on all the time talking about the phenomenon of them losing Muslims in that nation to Christianity. Having said all of that, this is my point. And I'm going to put a blog up today. A lot of this, what you're going to see, you're going to see on Facebook so you can go and check the records. My point is this. This is not obscure. I don't care who came to church this morning, who didn't come to church. Listen to me. Pentecostalism is where Jesus is right now with his church. Okay? The underground church in China right now has an estimated between 50 million to 100 million believers. We don't even know. It's illegal for them to register their churches, so we don't even know how many are there. The missionaries who are on the floor that we're getting the, the most reliable word is it is 100 million. We have believers in our church first service that go there. They have verified that it is spreading like wildfire as well as Nepal. The spirit-filled church is the groundbreaking church of China. It is the church of China. They are spirit-filled. It is not an obscure thing. 
So when we talk about gifts of the Spirit today, I don't want you just to kind of brush it off like, well, well, I went to this Metro Praise, you know, second story church and, well, you know, these guys. No, no, no. These guys are rocking the nation right now. These guys are the ones transforming the globe. You need to be with this. Whether you come to Metro Praise, an Assembly of God church, a non-denominative church, wherever you go, you need to make sure it's spirit-filled. Amen? You don't want to ride a dead donkey, okay? Let me just tell you like this. Religion is a dead donkey. Get in an F-22 and you'll find yourself feeling the power, okay? If you go to a church that's part of the frozen and chosen and they don't have the spirit and the gifts there, you're just riding a dead donkey, okay? Get in the spirit-filled church, praise God grows eight times faster than the rate of birth. So that means when one person is born in this planet, one person is born, eight more are born again speaking in tongues. Sean Dye Shack. Hallelujah. Just just tantalizing you right now. Just teasing you. Just getting you to understand this is not obscure by any means. Number two word that comes to my mind, legalism. When you think of Pentecostalism, a lot of times people tie legalism to it. Uh, the reason why this is is because when Pentecostalism started as what we know it today in the early 1900s with Charles Parr and William Seymour and those that came out of the Azusa Street Revival, I'll have all this online so you can look at it, they were coming out of the Methodist holiness movement. A lot of them believed in a very strict sense of sanctification. Women don't wear makeup. They don't cut their hair. They wear um, you know, skirts down to the ground. They look like they're Amish. They, they take all of their hair, they put it in a bun, and then when they get the Holy Ghost, they get out their bondage. That's what they would say. Okay? And, and, and that's where a lot of times people correlate Pentecostalism. Now, I have an encyclopedia of Pentecostalism across the last 2,000 years in every major nation, specifically in the last 100 years as it's been organized. And it's a big, thick book like this, and I can look them up by the nations. And this is what you see is when Pentecostalism first starts, it comes in this, this packaging, this idea that it's tied to legalism. Then in the second generation, the third generation, it moves into a sense of freedom. You see it here in America. In the early 1900s, Pentecostalism comes in very legalistic, very structured. But by the 30s and the 40s, it starts to die out. Healing revivals happen in the 50s, 50s like Oral Roberts, Jack Coe, and William Branham, etc. But what happens is the churches aren't necessarily reaching all of these other people groups, i.e. the hippies and the beatniks and all of this. But what happens in the 60s is something called the charismatic movement where Jesus people get rocked and lambasted in the Holy Ghost, long-haired hippies with beards and open-toed sandals, people who looked like Jesus who were told they couldn't come to church because they had long hair and beard, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. So now, you know, because these legalistic churches said you can't come here with long hair and a beard, but they had pictures of Jesus with long hair and a beard on, on their wall. So that was a little weird. Here's Jesus. Jesus got a beard, but I can't have one. There's something wrong with that. Um, so now they all get saved. And these guys became the most radical people we have in our day. Dr. Michael Brown uh, got his Ph.D. in Semitic languages, has fire school of ministry and fire revival uh, churches around the world, 200 churches in different nations. Heidi Baker came out of this, has over 5,000 churches in Mozambique, uh, Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith. A lot of people adopted spiritual principles and moved it into their movement uh, vineyard as well. And you, and you see this growing out of this Jesus culture movement. And you basically see 
see that happening in every nation. What happens is the first generation, they're very strict, they're very isolated, and as they begin to grow, they then become more charismatic and what is now known as neo-Pentecostal, which is that you don't have to have all of the legalism to move in the spirit. And that is the branch of Christianity that is growing the fastest. It is not the ones that say you can't cut your hair, women can't wear makeup. And all the women said, amen. Now, women, if you don't want to wear makeup or cut your hair and wear a grass, uh, a long skirt, that is totally up to you. Okay, that's up to you, but I ain't forcing you to do that. Okay, so there is another group called the Oneness Pentecostals who have caused quite a bit of confusion because they came in, in about 20 years after the birth of Pentecostalism in America, and they changed fundamental doctrines. They then began to say that the Trinity is, is, is unbiblical, that, uh, that, that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are just one person. Just like how I'm one person, I'm a father to my children, a husband to my wife, and then I'm a pastor to you. I have three roles, but I'm one person. They began to deny the Trinity, saying that God is just Jesus, but then he appears as the Father in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament as the Holy Spirit now, but he's just one person, and he has different roles, and he puts on the hats. Like I would put on the husband role when I go home, the father role when I discipline my children, and the preacher role when I talk to you. This is a heresy. It's called modalism. goes all the way back to early church days caused a big problem, but these uneducated uh, guys began to fall for this. The devil's a liar. Then they said, unless you speak in tongues, you're not saved. And then as a little icing on top, they said you have to be baptized in Jesus' name, okay? So this is where they came from. They said there's no trinity, baptism in Jesus' name. You have to speak in tongues to be saved. And they hijacked the term Pentecostal. So most of the people you talk to, you say, I'm Pentecostal. They're going to think of people like that that are not good doctrinally and they're off they're wacky and then they all have the legalism on top of that that's not what we are that's not what is growing around the nation and by the way if you ever get to meet any of them pray for them love them they need to get saved as much as all they're doing they don't have genuine salvation the fourth thing that comes to my mind is granola can everybody say granola okay now when you think of a granola bar what do you think of you think of fruits Nuts and flakes, right? As we think of a granola bar, fruits, nuts, and flakes. Now, a lot of times when people think of Pentecostalism, spirit-filled gifts of the spirit, they think of fruits, nuts, and flakes, okay? Just, you know, somebody standing up in the middle of the service, ah, I got the Holy Ghost, ah! you know, just, just doing crazy stuff. Now, this is not the church of the old, uh, of the New Testament, you know, the, the church that they started. There was awesome things happening. We believe you can fall down, go boom, and get touched by God. You can laugh, cry in the spirit. We believe you might feel the power, the energy. You might want to run around. But this doesn't give you an excuse to be weird, okay? This doesn't give you an excuse to be weird. You were already weird before the Pentecostal thing happened, and now you're just using the Pentecostal thing to, you know, to promote your weirdiness, Okay, some genuinely may start off normal. Pentecostalism makes you weirdy. You need to stop that because you're making us all look bad, okay? So we're talking about fruits, nuts, and flakes. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't do stuff that doesn't always fit in or people think we're weird. I mean, that's, that's going to always happen. But, but what we want to talk about here is a sense of order. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 talks about is an order. That if we are going to speak in tongues and we're going to do it to the congregation, we're going to do it one at a time. If we're in the congregation, we're going to do it unto God. If we prophesy, we're going to do it two and three at a time. And we're going to be careful to judge these things that are being said by the word of God.
So if somebody says, I sense God telling us to go live on a commune and share our wives together, then we know that's a problem. If, if, if somebody comes up and says, I believe it's, I believe it's time for us to have, have polygamy, more than one wife, or, or even as one sick, sick pastor said to the women, bear yourself naked before me as you will be at the judgment seat of Christ and I'll bless you in your nakedness. Okay. All of that to hell with all of that. Are you listening to me? We're not going to be obscure. This is the church that Jesus Christ planted, and we believe that this is what God's into. Number two, it's not legalistic. There's freedom here for us to express ourselves and to follow the black and white word of God, not man's traditions. And then thirdly, we definitely believe in a sense of order, and we don't need to have fruits, nuts, and flakes, a granola environment. Amen? And then here's the last thing. I combine three and four together, order and granola. And here's the last thing, man-centered. A lot of times uh, in Pentecostalism, we're so excited. We know God is rocking the place. We know Reinhard Bonnke is doing it. And we begin to, you know, start making these people like idols, okay? Now, let me just give you an example. If you want to use the word bonkified to describe what it means to get whacked in the Holy Ghost, that's okay. You can say to your friend, hey, have you been bonkified? Now, that's cool. But if you just start putting up posters of bonky, and if bonky doesn't pray for you, you're not being blessed. And if you don't get bonky's book, you're not right. See, we don't want to make idols out of these people. You know, right now, like Bill Johnson, you know, Redding, California, awesome place. Love them, you know. But we got some, like, Bill Johnsonites, you know. Unless Bill Johnson said it, it's not the Bible. And then there was time. You know, Benny Hinn, he was the talk of the town. You know, all the, you know, all the women wanted to marry him. All the men wanted to be him, you know. And it's just like, oh, Benny Hinn. And then, and then even like in the local church, you know, even the local church, like, oh, pastor's got to pray for me. Pastor's got to do this. Pastor's got to do this. Like somebody at the altar can't do it because they're not as anointed. And we seem to like make Pentecostalism like very like man-centered. My friends, the largest church in the world, you don't even know his name. It's not Joel Osteen, okay? The largest church in the world has a million members. You don't even know his name, most of you. His name is Dr. Young Ji Cho. He's in South Korea, full gospel church, million members. You watch him preach, very stoic. He would never compete with the T.D. Jakes, Rod Parsley, or, you know, prayer furnace guy, Mike Bickle. He doesn't have some great revelation. He's just a good preacher. He loves Jesus. He made disciples, built a church of over a million people, and has planted almost 3,000 churches around the the world sent missionaries all up into Asia, into Japan, into China. Can you say amen? Matter of fact, just put up a picture of the handsome rascal himself. Come on. Not rascal, but the handsome, I was going to say handsome devil, then I said rascal, shouldn't have said it. The handsome saint. Put up Dr. Young Ji Cho, and you'll, you'll hear him speak. Nothing flamboyant about him. Let's just summarize it here before we get into it. Now, I know that the spirit is more caught than it is taught. But like I said, some of you, this is not your first rodeo. I wanted to help clarify and let you know some of the things that we feel here, okay? When you look at the the young Ji Cho here, you'll see a humble man. And what we can say in summary is we're not going to be obscure. We're not going to be legalistic. We're going to have it in order, not being granola. And we don't want to be man-centered. But what we want to do is we want to have the gifts of the Spirit. We do want to do what the Bible says. Now, if you don't believe in miracles, what are you doing here this morning? I mean, the Bible talks about miracles. If you don't believe we can see the sick healed, if you don't believe we can see demons cast out, which people call exorcists now, if you don't believe we can foretell the future or have prophecies, then what in the world are you doing at church on Sunday? I'm just keeping it real with you. Man, Don't you say, well, I don't believe in miracles, but I still want to go to church. Don't do that. If you're not going to go, if you're not going to believe in miracles, just go do something else. 
I mean, dude, go listen to Lady Gaga. Go dress up like a, like a superstar. Do whatever you want because it means about the same. My friends, religion won't save you. Religion is, is garbage. As my Italian family used to say, it's garbage. Okay, religion is garbage. I am a pastor. I make the sermons. I hang out with other pastors. I know Father Tom and that he smokes and he drinks on the side. Okay, are you listening to me? I know what goes on behind the curtains. There is nothing we're giving you that will do one thing for you if the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not in the building. And the sad thing is, is these churches that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you know who does believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Everybody on their foreign mission field believes in it. You go talk to Moody and you say, Moody, do you guys have missionaries in this country, in this country, in this country? He'll say, yeah. And you'll ask him, do those guys speak in tongues? Do those guys pray for the sick? They'll say yes. When I was going to school at Liberty Baptist Cemetery, I mean seminary, when I was, when I was going to school there, they were. T- I was listening to a professor, had his Ph.D. in religion, Ph.D., and he said, man, when I was in Brazil, I was at this one church, and they were casting out demons, and they said, you know, do you want to help us pray for, for demons to be cast out? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm afraid that the demon will come in me. And he literally told that story in the class, like, like, here I am. I'm just being honest. And I'm thinking to myself, you wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if it slapped you upside your Baptist head. You don't know what. Now, some of you think I got something to get Baptist. I got nothing against Baptist. Just as long as they're Bapticostal. Amen? Cho, C-H-O, David Cho. Just put David Cho in there. We can uh, search here. My friends, just look up at me. I love everybody, okay? But I want to do this thing Jesus' way. One last preference, and then we'll move on. You cannot be more Christian than Christ. If Christ talked to demons and cast them out, then get ready to start talking to demons and cast them out. If Jesus laid hands on the sick and they recovered, that's what you got to do. If Jesus sat down with a woman at the side of a well and started telling her things in her past, that's what you got to do. Now, people thought Jesus was crazy. You don't crucify somebody you love and want to have a best-selling book in Walmart with, okay? This is not the guy you invite on Larry King. They hated him. They crucified him. They thought he was blasphemous. Why? Because he continually preached the word of God with signs and wonders following. And you can't get any more disciples than the first disciples. The first disciples were commanded to go out and preach with signs and wonders following. There is Dr. Cho. Let's give it up for Dr. Cho. That's him being excited. That is him excited. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all he does. If you've ever, some of you are nodding your head, if you've ever heard him speak, he's, he's not a T.D. Jakes of the preaching circuits, this, you know, the TBN television. He's not going to make it. He can't preach like, you know, Jensen and all, Jensen Franklin, all these guys. The point is Pentecostalism is not a one-man show. God flows through that man mightily. He's seen the, the, the healings, the miracles. He's cast out demons, built the largest church in the world on discipleship. It's powerful. Amen. Are you ready for the message? That was the introduction. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now that we've gotten the baggage off, let's get some good things here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, hearing what the Word of God has to say. Paul is speaking here to his church in Corinth. He says, now to each one of the manifestation, the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge. To another the faith by the Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these work one and the same Spirit. So there's nine gifts. But there's one spirit, and he gives them to how many? Each one. Everybody say each one. He gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Now, we've been looking at this as we've been learning the gifts. The fivefold ministry submit to Christ as the head, and they build up the church as the body of Christ, right? Last week we talked about the Christians, the disciples, having the gifts of the church. The head is Christ. They build up the body. Same thing now with the the spiritual gifts. God will give them to us as he wills for the building up of his body. And to see the summary of what you've learned, here it is. Ephesians 5 talked about the leadership gifts. There they are, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Romans 12 taught you about the service gifts and the gifts given to the church. That was last week. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and mercy. And that's for everybody to participate in. And as well as what you're going to learn today, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Message of wisdom, message of knowledge, distinguishing of spirits, faith, healings, miraculous powers, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Can I hear you say amen? Thank you, and I will also put this up for you to have as well because I know many of you want to be able to remember the things that you've learned. And here is a simple way. These are the gifts that God has given his church. This is what God gave to his body. That's why I'm telling you. And let me just be be, be clear on this. I do appreciate Baptist churches. I wouldn't say don't go to a Baptist church. But I would say if, if somebody would say that these gifts are not active in the church, that church is not doing what Christ wants them to do. Let me just be very clear. A good, a good church can only do so much if it doesn't have these gifts right here. This is the church God asked us to have. The church is supposed to have the fivefold ministry. Apostles are being sent out to start new churches. Prophets are guiding the work of God, hearing on behalf of Jesus. The uh, evangelists are going out and preaching with signs and wonders. The pastors are being married to the church, guarding the church and protecting her like a shepherd. And then the teachers are studying and giving sound doctrine. Then these gifts are found in the people. All of you should be able to be used to prophesy. Sons and daughters, as Acts 2 says, serving. All of you should ask the Lord and this church, say, God, give me the gift of serving, and then come to us and say, can I serve? All of us should have a part of teaching at least somebody what we know, whether it's our children or coworkers. Encouraging. We can all encourage and ask for that gift to increase in our life. Contributing to meet the needs and to say, Lord, bless me to be a blessing. And then leadership, God, make me a leader. Do you know that right now there's at least still 3 billion people that don't know the Lord? You can help lead them to Christ. So if every believer became a leader, we could change the world. And then mercy, people pouring out mercy upon everyone, the lost and the church. Now here's what I want to give you. I don't have time to just give sub-points and all of the details we can because I want to leave room for our altar call today. I really believe this is more caught than it is taught. I want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me just describe them to you briefly, and then let's make some time to pray. Number one, 
the message of wisdom. What Paul is talking about here is a supernatural insight about the future. This is the part that has to deal with foretelling. And when we deal with this one gift out of all the nine, I think this is the one that gets abused the most. Because this one deals with the future, and I would ask you to be very careful with this. When you see people saying, I feel God is going to do X, Y, and Z in your life. Or this is what I feel God said to do in your relationships. You need to be very careful as a Christian how you receive that. Because many people can be just hearing from the pizza they ate last night or their own imagination and can ruin your life. Now, I still believe when this is used well, it just is beautiful. How is it used well? Agabus in the book of Acts, he prophesied a famine to come, told the believers to save their money, and they were spared from the devastation. A pastor from a local church that I know here, genuine, genuine man of God, gave a very similar word to his congregation about the recession. And and the testimony is many of them who own property were able to sell it based on that word, and God is blessing them during this time. But that doesn't mean that every time we hear a pastor foretell something, we just need to buy it hook, line, and sinker. Some things to judge it by is, number one, if it comes with the attachment of money, do this amount of money, give this amount of money, and then this will happen. Just throw that back to hell where it came from, okay? The Word of God is never going to attach money towards the prophet. If you look into the early church history, it's called the Didache. The Didache was the writing of the 12. That was their tradition, kind of like our 201 book. They had it as a reference. They were told that if prophets asked for money, they were false prophets. If apostles stayed more than three days, they were false apostles because in those days, people were peddling the Word of God for money and apostles were trying to take over churches. And they say, listen, if this man comes ask for money don't listen to any of his prophecies if this one says he's an apostle but he's not going to plant a church he's trying to take your church don't listen to him so we need to be very careful with this but it doesn't mean it still can't happen today so we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can think of times where men and women of God has spoke to me foretelling something. And because I was obedient and heard what God was saying, I was greatly blessed. And, and this is that gift that you as a person just want to make sure that you go back home and then you pray and hear what God is saying. And just to give you an example of, of, you know, how it can be bad is I was having a guest speaker come. He was praying for people, and he said to a young lady, I believe you're going to marry so-and-so, and that so-and-so was in the church at the time. And uh, first of all, they weren't in any kind of relationship, so that you can just imagine saying it to a young lady, you know, you're going to marry so-and-so. I just threw her off. It came out to be that so-and-so backslid, never even served the Lord. This young lady went out and married somebody else. She is totally happy. She's a part of our church. But you can see how that word would mess somebody up because if you're saying to them, God is telling me you're going to marry this person, and that's not God, that will hurt somebody. So what we do in our church is we ask that all of those words would come by the elders and the deacons. This doesn't mean that you can't share those words in life groups or with other people, but whenever you have a message of wisdom, you want to speak to somebody's future, we just ask that you would bring it to one of our elders and deacons, let them test that word, and then you as a member, you can go home and pray and see if that's what God is speaking to you. And that way we have guarded you from being disappointed because many people have used that and disappointed people when what they said didn't come to pass. Amen.
But let's keep going because it does get good and, and wisdom is good. Here's another one, message of knowledge. It is a supernatural insight of someone's past and present. And, and let me just pause and say, this is why from here on out it's pretty easy to tell if these are on or not because the message of wisdom deals with the future. We don't know. But message of knowledge deals with the present or the past, you know. So when Jesus was sitting down with the woman of the issue of blood and he said, listen, I know, uh, well, he sat down with her and he said, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, I know. you got about five men and none of them are your husband. Well, if Jesus was off on that message of knowledge, it would be pretty easy because the woman could go, uh, sorry, Bubba, I, I don't have five husbands. You know, I'm married. I'm living holy. And I've been out with people where they've made those things like, uh, I think you're dealing with homosexuality and God wants to set you free. And they're like, no, man, I, I am straight as an arrow. And you could tell that they were a little off-put by that. Or um, another time a young lady said, you know, she came up for prayer and the man of God said, you know, I feel like you're dealing with suicide and this. And she wasn't dealing with suicide. You know, she, she was like, no. And, and see, message of knowledge is never going to be confusing. It is a direct word, and the reason why God is doing it supernaturally is because he wants to reveal to you that he's involved in your life. But it's not for the sake of just drawing a crowd like, look, I can guess what's going on in your life, like tarot card reading. It is for the purpose of preaching the gospel. So when you look at Jesus, he sits down with the woman at the well. She has a hard heart. He then reveals something, knowledge about what's going on in her life. It blows her mind. She then opens her heart, and then what does he do? He preaches the gospel. And I've seen this used in my life. I was uh, witnessing, I think I shared it with you last week. Uh, Long story short, the guy wasn't being respectful he was being rude and we were just getting to the end i said man can i just pray for you which i like to do for this purpose and cause is to see if god will speak something to my heart so this is very powerful in evangelism and while i was praying i just felt the lord say uh, he's lying to you about what his name is and the reason why he's so hostile towards christianity is because his father was a pastor and abused him and gave christ a bad name you know basically caused his heart to become hard well when we got done praying i looked at him and i said man i'm going to tell you what i just felt god told me i felt that he just told me you're telling me your wrong name and that you're hating god because of what your father did i can tell you within 30 seconds i mean it's a moment millisecond his mocking demeanor changed to pale white and he said how did you know and i said because god was speaking to me, and he said, you're right, my name wasn't what I told you, this is my name, and the reason why I was harassing you is because I always do this when I see street preachers, because I thought my dad was a hypocrite, and I think you guys are all hypocrites, and I I began to preach the gospel to him. You see, that is a gift to open up the hearts. It's not to have a circus show up here, but it's to open up the hearts. And, and this is something that all of you can ask God to give you. The message of wisdom when you're praying, you can speak it out. Uh, I didn't get a chance to share this, but I have Bible college students that uh, are in Miami. They come from Haiti, and, and many of them confirm this, and I believe I have this, the video. I can see if I can find it, where they believe that this man of God prophesied the earthquake that was to come. And the reason why it was prophesied wasn't for no other reason but that people would get their hearts right with God. It wasn't to save, like, the property. It wasn't to make a lot of money. It was God is going to judge this land, get ready, and make sure you're right to get home to be with the Lord. And they say that this was a word that God sent to the Haitians through this man of God. So you could see that coming. And then these words of knowledge, I hear this all the time in our church, where people will sense these things in, in, in the lives here at the altar. And you can make sure... To test those things, and if they're not right, tell the person they're not right. But if they are right, 
you can then trust that God is looking into your life. Uh, the third thing here, distinguishing of spirits, a supernatural insight of a spirit's origin. Now, we're going to put up here of us casting out a devil here in India because not only do we believe in casting out devils, we do it, and then we put it up on YouTube so you can believe in casting out devils as well, okay? Now, I just want to tell you, there's nothing phony or baloney about me. If you've ever met me, spent any time with me, five seconds with me, one thing that you'll know is I'm not fake. There's nothing fake about me. When I set down this microphone, I am the same person. But go ahead and just push play here. You'll hear the screaming. You'll see the sweat. That's Pastor Amit next to me. Now, if you would just turn it down as they're watching this, I want to share with you what was going on. No, no flamboyancy here. No trying to be the man of power, faith, and, uh, the faith and power, uh, the man of God of faith and power for the hour. I was simply closing out the service. The service was done. And I just started to pray, and this guy started screaming. And the pastors run over to him, they grab him, and then they bring him up. Now, distinguishing of spirits is the job for the one doing the deliverance. It is my job at this point to discern, is this his spirit? Is he just drunk, acting crazy? Is he out of his mind? But it's a human spirit. Is this God touching him? He's just so full with the Holy Ghost. A grown man is going to yelp like a little schoolgirl. Or is it three, a demon messing with him? Now, obviously, we and all of these pastors, by the way, this is like an everyday normality for them, is to cast out devils, okay? So you can just put it up here for a few more moments. So I'm dealing. So I start to talk to the demon because, if you, maybe turn it down, we'll go back and forth. Yeah, I don't know what I want. I'm sorry. Hard to please. Um, but so, so we're wrestling around. Now, basically what I'm trying to do is I want to perform deliverance, which is the, the act of the person renouncing their sin of why this demon has come, along with casting the demon out. I just don't want the demon to be cast out. That's me casting the demon out. There's the Bible on the head trick. Some, some Catholic priest probably showed him that. And then Pastor Anil does the sign of the cross across his forehead. Now, at this point, he's been set free. We just prayed for him. He's getting lambasted. Tears are going to start coming down his eyes in just a moment. He's going to hit his, he's going to hit his knees. He's going to try to kiss my feet because he's just rocked by Jesus. <laughs> now, the point is, and I don't want to make light of this like the mock was, but it's just this is what Jesus does. He sets people free. Distinguishing of spirits is to help us to know what is of God, what is of the devil, and then to know what spirits we're dealing with. Okay? And you can go and just put it up a little bit. He's just happy right now. He's excited. So now we're telling him to confess his sins. And there's the freedom. You know, we're just professing it. He's calling it out. Tears are coming down his face. He goes to the floor. Hey, man, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Amen. Now, while you're watching that devil getting cast out, you're like, man, I don't know if I believe this. Listen, Jesus cast out devils. Why would this guy fake this? You think I paid him money to yelp like a little girl and to be 
I mean, dude, guy was just struggling on the floor, slithering like a snake. We see this overseas. He was into witchcraft. He was provoked. In the, the demons were provoked in the middle of the service. I wasn't even doing an altar call. We just were praying, the screaming, the shouting, the laying ons of the hand. The freedom came to that man. Distinguishing of spirits is for you. Because demons could come into your home, into your life. And this is the thing that blows my mind. When young people watch this, they get freaked out. But yet they watch horror movies and live like the devil. I don't understand. How in the world would this freak you out? This is us casting out a devil. What lesson do you get out of this other than Jesus beats the devil? If you're worried about yourself being demon-possessed, you're missing the point. (laughs) You're missing the point. If you love Jesus, you won't have the demon. You won't be screaming. If you have nightmares, young people, talk to Jesus, rebuke the devil, and be at peace. Okay, parents, tell your children the devil is real, but Jesus beats the devil. Oh, praise God. Just get excited. But I know I sometimes get these teenagers, oh, Pastor, because it happens in the youth group sometimes. Oh, I get so scared. I'm like, how in the world does seeing a demon get cast out scare you, but yet you watch horror movies, you play these wicked video games, and that doesn't bother you? The, the problem is you don't understand the power of God. The power of God is stronger than the power of darkness. And we did not come here to play games. This is not a game. Church is not a game. You might take it like a game, but I'll tell you two people who aren't taking it like the game. Me and the devil, okay? And so you come in here with him. I'm going to kick him out. And let me just tell you, a couple of times when we've cast out demons, the people didn't even know they had a demon. By the time this man knew what was going on, it was too late. A demon manifested. He didn't even know he had a demon. I remember watching one young lady start to curse me out, swear and snarl and hit the floor. She didn't even know she had a demon. It took two men to hold her down, and we cast the devil out. Because you may not even know you have a devil if you live in like the devil. So here's how you prevent having a devil. You live like Jesus. And you don't get filled with the spirit of anything. You get filled with my best friend. He's a ghost, and his name's called Holy. Amen. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. I was eight years old, speaking in tongues, loving Jesus. You can do it too, my friends. And when I backslid, when I backslid from those ages onward, 11 to 18, I knew when the devil came into my life because I knew what God felt like. And when my dad prayed for me when I first got saved, I did have devils cast out of me. So I am one of those people that can be on both sides of the prayer line. But I'll tell you what, the last 16 years, casting them out has been a lot better. Can I hear an amen? And if some of y'all still scared, I guess that's a good thing. Get the hell scared out of you and get right with God. Amen? Just get right with God. Okay, here we go. Uh, faith, a supernatural infilling of faith to accomplish a supernatural task. Uh, this is not just the day-to-day faith. This is a faith to do supernatural things like walking on water, uh, raising the dead, uh, turning two loaves and five fishes into 5,000, a meal for 5,000. And I'll go through these somewhat quickly. Now, you can review this later. Healings, a supernatural healing, a physical, mental, a spiritual life. So it doesn't just say gift of healing singular. It says gift of healings plural. So we believe we need physical healing. We believe we need inner emotional healing, and we need spiritual healing. Amen? 
miraculous powers, a supernatural display of God's power. So this is God doing just wonderful things in the Old Testament, separating the Red Sea, causing water to come from a rock. We still hear stories something similar to this from our missionaries who are in dire situations, and God will do supernatural, miraculous powers to spare them and to save them. A prophecy, a supernatural word that edifies, exhorts, and encourages tongues, a message that uh, in an unknown language, an interpretation of tongues, which could be a prophecy, message of wisdom, or knowledge in an unknown language. And let me just summarize these three together, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. What the Bible is speaking about here is God speaking through us to others, okay? Prophecy is not necessarily foretelling in the New Testament. Prophecy is the gift of encouraging and edifying by the word of the Lord. The foretelling primarily is in the message of wisdom. Okay, that's how it's distinguished here. So the prophecy can come in a service like you'll see here, and someone will say, God is wanting me to let somebody know here you may be discouraged. You might have sinned and thought that God gave up on you, but he loves you. How many have heard words like that? Well, that's what prophecy is supposed to do, supposed to encourage. Now this thing about tongues and interpretation of tongues, let me just say this to you. When you look at the three instances of people being filled with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, there's three major instances. There is Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. There's then Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius' house with Peter. And then there's Acts chapter 19 with Paul and 12 of John's disciples. There is a pattern that you see, okay? And this is what we believe as spirit-filled Pentecostal believers, that every time the Holy Spirit came, they spoke in tongues every time, and all of them received it. So track with me right here. When the Holy Spirit comes, everybody speaks in tongues, and everybody gets filled. Are you with me? I don't have time to get into this, by the way, and our 201 book has a whole chapter on this. And I wish I could take questions in this sermon, but I just can't, so you can see us afterwards. And by the way, discipleship. Can somebody say discipleship? Amen. Good book by Lester Sumrall and the gifts in our book that I mentioned. You should get the nine gifts of the Spirit by Lester Sumrall. You'll love it. Let me just say this here. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues is a sign and an evidence that you have received the spiritual gifts of God. This is the pattern. This is why we say, and I was with the Assemblies of God, largest spirit-filled denomination in the world. Okay, this is why we say the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Holy Spirit is evidenced in speaking in other tongues. Every instance, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, they all do one thing, speak in tongues, and all of them get it. So this idea that not everybody's going to do it is incorrect. I'll put my blog up there that I submitted to Liberty Baptist. You can see it. This clarifies some of these misunderstandings. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. People who don't have spiritual gifts and tell you how to use them and not to use them, ignorant okay come on somebody it'd be like me going up to a nascar driver telling him how to drive that thing or to a pilot you don't know what you're talking about until you do okay let us let us big boys keep doing this right here you guys go back there and just play with the water baptism that's why they call themselves baptist because of water baptism going back to the reformation anabaptist is where they came from anna meaning another catholics baptized at infants baptist said we've got to get anana another baptism then they just took off the anna and became baptist we call our Pentecostal baby because we're not with just the water baptism we're with the boom shakalaka outpouring of the Holy Spirit flames of fire tongues of fire all over you and me just look at your neighbor and go 
we've gone there now. We've gone into the weird part of the service. I I I became the fruit, the nut, and the flake. Tada! Here I am, your pastor, one of the granola Christians. I can't hide it anymore. I am one. I am one. It's so funny because our leadership will do that. They'll say, Pastor, I think I'm one of those too. Every now and then we all are. Let's just put it like that. The idea is very simple. We get baptized with the Holy Spirit. We speak in other tongues. These are languages, but not learned. Sometimes they're earthly languages. There's probably been about 3,000 earthly languages upon this earth. And then there's heavenly language. Let's think about this, my friends. It's not like Jesus is talking to angel Gabriel, going, Que paso, Gabriel? Go down there. They're not talking in English. There are languages of heaven. Just like there's languages here, there's languages in heaven, okay? And that's what the Bible talks about, tongues of angels, tongues of men. There's languages there, there's languages here. When we speak in tongues, we are speaking supernaturally a language we didn't learn. Most of the time, nobody else will ever understand it because it's going directly to God. But sometimes it can be understood. Acts 2 says it was understood, but Acts 10 and 19 says it wasn't. So one out of three it was. When I was speaking in tongues two times in my life, Brother Boom Boom Badonsky will share this testimony with you. He was there in the prayer meeting. There was an Indian brother there. He really didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. We were talking to him about it. And then we just went to praying and speaking in tongues. When I began to speak in tongues, his face turned white. He ran out of the room. Asked Boom Boom. He was there. Boom Boom runs after him, grabs him, and goes, What's up, man? What's going on? And then the man goes, How does he know my language? He has said to me very clearly in my language, The Holy Spirit is real, and this is for me in Bible college. My tongue was in the Indian language. Then another time, separate story. The man never knew the other man. My intern from southern India, Bangalore, India, John Timothy, he will testify. My wife met him. He's a youth pastor in Milwaukee. He was in the van with us, heard me speak in tongues all the time, because that's what we do when we pray, speak in tongues. But this one particular time, he's like, what are you doing? Stop, stop. He stopped me when I was speaking in tongues, and then he said, say that again. And I just go, bum de bum de bum whatever I was saying in the spirit. And then he said it right back to me, bum de bum de bum And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, you are saying, God send your fire. God send your fire in my language exactly the right way. I said the whole sentence exactly the way he said it. He can still say it to this day. Now, what is the purpose of these tongues? Well, the tongues have two reasons. Number one, they are unto God, a form of intercession and prayer that edify us. Number two, they are assigned to the unbeliever to think that we're crazy. It actually is supposed to do that. The Bible says that they will come into your meeting. They will hear you speaking in tongues. This is a sign to the unbeliever because they will say you're out of your mind. The next thing is supposed to come after that if we address the congregation is a prophecy. The prophecy now exposes the heart of the unbeliever and has them to fear God and say God is truly among you. So what does the typical church service look like? Let's go to Acts chapter 2 in closing, and I'll show you the first time when the Spirit was given and what it's supposed to look like. While you're turning there, here's a a way to look at all nine gifts and their categories, okay? Just something easy to help you out with. Revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Power gifts are the faith, uh, the gifts of faith, healings, miraculous, miraculous powers. Inspiration gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, okay? All this will be online if you guys want it. Receive the power of God. Now, as you're turning to Acts chapter 2, let me just say this so you can understand what we're doing here, okay? When we do noises other than our tongue, all we're doing is trying to describe our tongue without defiling the tongue God gave us, okay? So when I go bum to bum that is not my tongue. Like, that's not my tongue, okay? Uh, and, and then when we go 
Shikaboomba, Shikaboomba is just something somebody made up to talk about it. Uh, boom Shakalaka is an old song from the 80s, but it just kind of gives everybody that mindset like boom Shakalaka, you know, boom Shakalaka. And then Bonkified comes from Bonka. Like, have you been Bonkified? I think you understand the terms. If those terms make you feel uncomfortable, just say you love the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen? Because that's all it comes down to is the Holy Ghost and fire. I just don't want to freak anybody out anymore than we already had. Okay, Acts chapter 2, and you can see I really am concerned about that. Amen. Just being normal. It's my concern. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Here it is. Here's church. Okay, let's go up a little bit. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here's church. Here's how it starts. Here's how it should be. When the day of Pentecost came, that's why we're Pentecostals, Jewish feast. Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. The whole house where they were sitting, uh, they were, the whole house was filled where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. How many did it rest on? Each one of them. Now, when we go through all experiences, all three in the book of Acts, do we see every time tongues being manifested in a sense where you could see it or when? No. So that's not why, that's why we don't say every time tongues comes, it has to come with you seeing fire sit on your head. It doesn't have to happen because the three times it does come, it doesn't happen, only once. But what happens every time? They speak in tongues, right? So they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them. How many of them? Come on. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in what? Other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, during this time, people begin to understand some of the tongues that are being spoken. Once again, in the other times in Cornelius' house or with John's disciples in Acts 19, do they understand the tongue? No. So we see that there are things that happen uniquely in every situation. But not every situation is a pattern. The pattern is they all speak in tongues. Do you understand? That's how, you sep- that's how we as Pentecostals separate the external manifestations from the sign. A manifestation may be today you see fire. A manifestation may be you feel the wind like the air conditioning coming on when it's 30 degrees outside. I don't know how that happens, but it's happening. And, and you know... You may see a lot of manifestations, but the one sign that you will always see is what? Speaking in tongues. Okay, now let's just keep going on down here. Peter stands up, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. So they thought they were drunk because of what was going on. Ben, would you come please? Thank you for your patience today. I don't even know how it's as late as it is and I'm like rushing still. I guess we just love talking about the Holy Spirit here. Amen. Just love our ghost called holy. And if loving him is wrong, I don't want to be right. Amen. I'm, I mean, I'm just sorry. If I'm not on his time scale, I'm in trouble. If I'm not on your time scale, I can live with that. Are you all listening to me? I'd rather offend you than to grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because if I grieve him, we're all in some trouble. But it's okay. If you got to go, you got to go. I understand. you got to you know, do what you got to do. Verse 17, this is what Peter now says in response to people speaking in tongues and beginning to rock this Jerusalem area, rock this nation. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So you all get that? I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Do you know that we can only really find about one or two female prophets up until this time? But now God says, your sons and your daughters, they're all equally going to prophesy. They are all going to prophesy. He says, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. You keep on going down. They ask in verse 38, what must they do to be saved? Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. Okay, for those alive at that time, their children. So we know it's not going away in the next generation. And for all who call on the, all who are far off, for all who call on the Lord our God. Will you stand up to your feet with me today in closing? What does this mean? What this means is the gifts of the Holy Spirit are here. Can we shut off the air conditioning now, please? Thank you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are here for you today. Simply, this is what it means. God wants you to be able to speak in other tongues. That is the initial sign that you've received it. Then from the gift of tongues, the other gifts of the Spirit will flow. You don't have to worry about us being offended by you speaking in tongues here because it's a part of our order. If we are then going to address the congregation, we will not address you in tongues unless there's an interpreter. But when we are addressing God, we all at the same time can speak in tongues. Is everybody with me? Let's just raise our hands and begin to do that now. Those... Come on, who are baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire. Jesus. Now those of you who are not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you just begin to raise your hands and say this with me. Jesus, I want to receive your gift of the Holy Spirit. Young and old alike, it doesn't matter. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, just say, Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with your fire right now. And as I begin to pray, and as we're all praying, let the Lord whisper to your soul another language and then be released to speak it out in this place. In Jesus' name, all those who desire to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare unto you now, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. May the baptism of the Holy Spirit come on you now. In Jesus' name. Receive it now. Receive it now. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Roboconde, Lerabokonda la Bakea. Sunday, Lerabokonda la Baha. Yonder, Lerabokotanda la Bokoya. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Jesus. Yandela la bokonde la la bokota lele la bokoya. Send the Holy Spirit. Come on, fire of God in this place. Now as we're singing this out, if you want those other gifts, just start to sing this out and say, Lord, I need those gifts. I desire those gifts all over this congregation. Baptize us in the Holy Yes, God, baptize us. Your burn, burning us today, God. Altar workers, would you come now, please? Before we dismiss, if you would like some more prayer for this gift to flow, as the band is singing, would you find a prayer worker? Come on, we'll dismiss in just a moment. But let us pray as we're singing. If you need prayer right now to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, just come right now. Fuego, 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 Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, fuego, Dios, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. There is power in this house. Come on, baptize us. Start in me. Oh, we believe God. Baptize us in fire. Oh, baptize us. Oh, come on, those of you who have already been baptized, just say mas, more. Mas fuego. Mas, more of you, Jesus. Flow through us, oh God. Fresh fire, Jesus. Fresh fire, come on, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Now just keep praying. Keep praying, but so you'll know that this is not just hype. Come on, just place your hand over your belly. The Bible says this stands for the inner man, the center of you. Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Come on, just place your hand over your belly and just think about this before we pray. Your faucet is connected to one of the biggest lakes in the world, Lake Michigan. And if you turn on your faucet and it doesn't pour out water, it is not Lake Michigan's fault. There's some clogging in the piping. What God is wanting you to hear today as a prophecy 
is that he is not the one who has changed. He is not the problem. You may say, where are the miracles? Where is the power? I don't see. He has not changed. He has the reservoir of all the power in heaven. But what I hear the Lord saying to us today as we have our, our hands on our bellies is are we unclogged? Are we allowing Him to flow through us like a faucet with His Holy Spirit power? We need to make a choice today. My mother prophesied over me before I was even saved. Some of those prophecies and messages of wisdom are still with me today. See, mothers, fathers, young and old, it doesn't matter. God wants to know, can He unclog you to flow through you to touch a world? So just with your hand over your stomach right now, would you just say in your own words, God, flow through me right now. Come on, power of the Holy Spirit. Flow through me, Jesus. Oh God, take out unbelief. Get rid of all the fears. Take away the confusion. And fill me to flow through me, God. Jesus, set a church on fire for you, Lord. Let your rivers flow. Let your rivers flow in this place. Rivers of healing. Rivers of power. Rivers of faith. In the name of Jesus. Come on now, just lift up your voice and call out to Him. Come on, just lift up your voice as He's flowing right now. From heaven. From heaven. Jesus. Come on, worship leaders, just lift up your voices. Jesus. You said you would fall. Jesus. Flow. Hallelujah. Jesus. We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of you. Gifts of the Spirit flow. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Now just let the Lord speak to you right now. Come on, before we leave out of here, let's put into practice some of these things that we've been talking about. Hallelujah. Prophecy, tongues and interpretation. These gifts are meant for the church edification. Hallelujah. If you have a word, just share it out. A tongue, interpret it. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, we're listening to you. The Bible said in the book of Corinthians that it should be so common that we actually have to limit it to only three per service. So there's not so many words we forget them. Come on, somebody. Let God use you. Hallelujah. Jesus.
before we have that next word just think about that God is speaking to some of you maybe looking at us going man that, that doesn't look real or I'm not getting it it must not be real and that word is saying the reason why you're not receiving the power is because you have sin see this is the reason why those early Pentecostals were so focused on holiness they did not want to offend or grieve the Holy Spirit that they went so far that they wouldn't even watch TV, wouldn't even go to the movies, wouldn't cut their hair, would shave their beard. I mean, that's how serious they were. But those things aren't sin. But some of you may be dealing with some real serious sin. Pornography, bitterness. Galatians 5 calls these deeds of the flesh. Drunkenness, anger, wrath, sedition. Come on, if that's you, don't... Don't wait. Just repent right now. Just say, God, forgive me. Hallelujah. We have we have room for a few more. Is God speaking to you right now? Tongues and interpretation or prophecy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. You do not know the power that there is in worship. You do not know the power that there is in praise. As Moses had to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground, you too are standing on holy ground because my presence is here. Because my presence is here. When you call, I am here. You are standing on holy ground because it is the ground that I am on. instruct some of you right now come on just raise your hands again and just worship but this time without loud music just from a heart of appreciation come on couldn't you hear that it affected her emotions she was feeling the grieving of the Lord saying that you don't really mean what you say when you sing songs you're not really worshiping come on some of you just need to worship him And know that this place is holy because God is here. The real God, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our Creator. And He says, worship me in the beauty of holiness. Holy, holy, holy. Are you, Lord God Almighty? Holy, holy, holy Jesus, who was and is and is to come. Oh, there's no one like you in all the earth. You're worthy. 
You're worthy, Jesus. Every nation, tribe, and tongue will worship You one day, God. We do it now, God. We do it now. You're worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. You were the Lamb that was slain for us. Oh, God, You are so awesome. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, my Savior. And now some of you can sing in tongues because the Bible says you can... You can pray with your language or pray in the Spirit. You can sing with the language you know or you can sing in the Spirit. Come on, some of you just lift up your voices. And when you can't think of any other words to say, do you ever just feel like, man, I don't have any other words to say other than you're awesome and I love you. You know what I do at those times when I don't have any other words to say? I just pray in the Spirit. I sing in the Spirit. I pray in the language of the angels. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Even in this moment right now, if you're sick in your body, let the gifts of healing flow. Just come to these altars. And then we'll dismiss after we pray for the sick and those who want to linger and soak in His presence. We'll keep worshiping. But let's just acknowledge God here. Come on, you know that this is a special time right now. If you're sick in your body, I don't care if we've prayed for you a hundred times previously, let us pray again. The Bible says, seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Hallelujah. Come on, ask and keep asking. We believe God for healing. Jesus. Could you sing that song that you were singing the, the, the last one when I came in? That song about the fire? Yeah, that one. Thank you. Hallelujah. We're just going to worship as we're praying for the sick, and then we'll dismiss. Oh, Lord, heal those that are sick and those that are standing in the gap for those that are sick. We pray healing in Jesus' name. We believe in a God who still performs miracles. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. And if you need to go, don't feel bad. You can go. And those that want to soak it in, we're just going to go as long as we can today. Father, I pray you bless everyone that came today. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us the gifts of the Spirit. I pray that as we leave here, we'll never leave your presence or your presence. That they'll stay with us, your gifts. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Can everybody, can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the Cafe Fellowship. We'll see you at Life Groups. 
But if you want to worship and receive more, just come up and enjoy it today.